Welcome. This is Karen Modakaitis, and you're listening to How She Really Does It, the place where inspiration and possibility meet on KDRT 95.7 FM. Hero Boga is back with us today, and we're going to talk about faith in the time of uncertainty, and she's going to bring us through her practice. So I invite you to clear off your schedule. I know a lot of you like to multitask while you listen to the show and put pause on that for when she takes us through this exercise. It's going to take a bit of time and, um, or you can listen to it the first time and then always hit rewind and go through that practice in your own quiet and peace. I'm really excited about this, especially with so often we have so many fears or feel powerless in situations in our lives we recorded this prior to the U.S. election, so she mentions it even though she's Canadian. But any time that you may feel or believe that when you think things are out of your control or that you believe that you are helpless, this is a great practice. So it's about uncertainty and how do you deal with uncertainty. And here's here, here today, Hero will share with you her way of doing it. Thanks so much for listening. I'll circle back afterwards. Hello, Hero. Welcome back. Hi, Corinne. Hi. How are you? I'm so excited. And I'm, I'm really looking forward to us talking about today, faith in the time of uncertainty. And we were talking about this before we hit record. And I finally said, wait, we need to hit record because there's so much good stuff as we were rumbling through what we were thinking. So do you want to yeah. start out with, you know, the, what we were talking about, the what do we do when we feel helpless or when we, when we think that things are out of our control? And, and you said something that was beautiful about faith anchored in action. So that's how we came up with faith in the time of uncertainty. So I'll let you get started first. Okay. So, you know, we're, we're recording this interview just days before the election in the U.S., uh, the presidential election in the U.S. And um, I live in Canada and my friends and colleagues and I on this side of the border are watching with a kind of horrified fascination what is going on for those of our friends and colleagues who are on the other side of the border who actually live in the U.S. Um, And for us, you know, for me, uh, I'll speak for myself, um, I can't vote in this election, and yet the outcome of the election is going to affect everybody, it's going to affect um, those of us who live in the U.S. and those of us who live elsewhere in countries around the world. And that feeling of having no power to to affect an outcome that is powerfully going to affect me is a familiar feeling, you know? I mean, I, I think all of us have experienced that where we feel like we're at the mercy in some ways of forces outside of our control, either because those forces are bigger and more powerful and more vocal than we are, 
or because the 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 forces are so complex um and so entrenched and and so historically um uh rigid uh and bolstered that uh, that we don't feel like we can change them in any way or that anything we can do will have any, anything more, you know, will make a dent in, in the problem. Um, and when I think back on, you know, times in my life when I have felt that way, um, I, it goes back really early for me. I grew up in India and I just remember that feeling of devastation with seeing people hungry and starving and 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 sick and diseased and you know all of that is right in your face there it isn't hidden away the way we do over here um and just feeling really helpless and out of that sense of helplessness i began this journey that has taken me ultimately into an understanding of how um how power works, especially when we feel most powerless. Um, what is it that we can do as individuals in a situation uh, where we feel the, the stakes are really high, both for ourselves and for everything that we believe in? You know, do we want to live in a world that is? Where demagoguery, where uh, um, where racism, where misogyny, where hatred, where violence are the norm, uh, or do we want to create a world that um, that is kind, that is generous, that is loving, uh, and when when there seem no, there seems like there's no obvious way for us to have any influence on such a, on, on creating that world. How do we create it anyway? Mm-hmm. So it, those are the kinds of things I have been thinking about. And for me, I've developed a practice over that, that you know, that I've done probably every day um, for the last maybe 50 years. You know, certainly since I was in my mid to late teens, and it arose in response to situations where I felt completely helpless uh, to change anything. Um, I described, you know, the that national situation, the extreme poverty, the um, the um, the way in which. Uh, people of my class, you know, my parents were middle class and were upper middle class probably, uh, and educated and privileged in in a in a society where uh, the vast majority of people lived very short lives because they died of diseases or of hunger or starvation, um, and that it was like, how do I hold? Both gratitude and joy and um, pleasure in the life that was available to me, and hold this responsibility for changing 
um, the world around me so that it became available to more people. Uh, when, you know, when I was five or six or seven or eight years old, um, so about my mid-teens, I created this practice for myself and I've applied it not just to kind of those kinds of massive situations that happen nationally or globally, uh, but also to, you know, situations in my own personal life where I just haven't known what to do, where, you know, to use your word, Corinne, that sense of uncertainty was the predominant feeling of just not knowing what I could do because it felt too tangled. I couldn't sort it out. Um, And there was no no obvious course of action that I could take uh, that felt as though, um, that felt right. So I want to set this up a little bit and I will share with you what, you know, what I do and I'm sure that each of you has um, your own ways of arriving at um, a place of of generativity, you know, of being um, a source rather than... Um, a consumer of being um, an act, somebody who acts as opposed to somebody who is acted upon. Um, but but I want I want to set this up by by just talking about how I see the world around me. And to me, you know, there is the three-dimensional world in which we live, in which this election is happening, in which uh, if I had a vote, I would move heaven and earth to to exercise my right to vote. And if I had uh, a home in the U.S., I would be out there knocking on doors and signing people up to to register to vote and helping them get to voting booths on voting day and doing all of those things and those actions in the 3D world have energetic consequences as well. You know, they have physical consequences but they also have energetic consequences because when we as a community mobilize our power and harness it together uh, towards a common end uh, that that benefits the whole, uh, then that creates a lev- an energetic level of power that also draws the attention of and the help and uh, power of wholeness that moves on our behalf. Some people call it the universe. Some people call it guides. You know, to me, this, it's, it's simply the power that's, that's inherent in the subtle energy realms, which um, which coexist uh, with our physical realm and which have their own capacities and powers and alliances and abilities that we can draw on. They cannot act directly in the physical world. They can't come in and change the course of an election. Uh, but they can hold an energetic field in which those forces of 
divisiveness and polarization can find some peace and some resolution and some harmony with each other. So when I'm not able to act in the physical world or when my activity in the physical world is limited, um, I turn to that subtle energy realm and to the realm of the unconditioned, which is actually beyond the subtle energy realms. You know, the subtle energy realms are still realms of form. But when you go deep into formlessness, you tap into the matrix out of which all forms arise, out of which all... um, Everything that ends up here on Earth arises from that that sea of formlessness and takes shape and form. So it it you know it sounds kind of esoteric, but it really is not. I mean, I do this daily. It's kind of like brushing my teeth. Mm-hmm. So it's a very practical way of engaging with energies that we aren't necessarily all that familiar with because. We aren't taught about them. You can't physically see them. And even though all of us are energetically sensitive to greater or lesser degree, we may never have been encouraged or taught how to cultivate um, that awareness and how to cultivate a relationship with the non-physical realm. And yet, so much of what happens here on Earth begins in those non-physical realms, and there is a great deal of power and, and allianceship available to us um, that is really um, helpful in situations where there is tremendous uncertainty, a sense of helplessness and inability to directly exercise our power to act and to do. Um, so that's kind of the setup. What do you think? Can you go through your your practice one more time, and I just to just so that it can get. So we're going more. to like I haven't I haven't really I haven't shared the practice oh, yet. I'm okay. Talking about about I, because without an understanding of the framework within which it happens, um, it, you know the practice doesn't. Like it may not make sense. So I'm just setting up the framework of how I understand the world. And because to me, this is, you know, we, we are functioning in these interconnected nested ecologies, some of which are in the physical realm and some of which are in non-physical realms. Um, what I'm saying is that some some... Some problems can be solved in the physical realm. Some problems can be solved in both the physical and the non-physical realms. And then there are some problems that just seem so complex and so intractable that we have to take them out of the physical and non-physical realms and into the realm of the unconditioned. And that's where this practice works. That's, That's where I go when I am facing something that I don't know how to deal with any other way. Okay. So it's not from an abdication of responsibility. It's not me saying, oh, I'm just going to pray about it 
and and not do anything in the physical world. I will do everything I can in the physical world. But when I've reached the limits of my capacity, um, which is limited for all of us, you know, it doesn't matter how much power you have, whether you're the President of the United States or the, you know, the UN Secretary General, your power is still limited by the forces around you. So we go into the realm of the unconditioned where power as a, as a, as a principle is simply um, the active form of love. It is, it is a diffused, undifferentiated energy. And we ask for the help that we need from that place. So if you're ready, um, I will invite you. I'll just, you know, we'll walk through this together. We'll do this together. So I'll invite you to simply, if you aren't already doing so, to sit comfortably in a chair with the soles of your feet flat on the ground. So, I mean, you can do this lying in bed if you have to. You can do this with your legs crossed if you have to, but this is the best position for this work. Feel the weight of your body against the seat of the chair. Keep your back supple and soft, but relatively upright. And just take a deep breath. And release it. And put aside all of the mind chatter, all of the stuff that has happened so far for you today, everything that you're planning to do after you finish listening to this podcast. Just imagine that there's a basket in the corner of the room in which you're sitting. And if you're outdoors, that it's, you know, a few feet away from you and you're just putting everything that's happened so far and everything that's going to happen after you finish up here into this basket. So it's there, it's waiting for you, all the to-do lists, all the thoughts, all the worries, all the feelings, all the anticipation. And just put a lid on that basket for now. And let your mind go quiet like a clear blue sky. If thoughts arise, let them. Let them just float by like white clouds in the clear blue sky of your mind. If feelings arise, just simply acknowledge them with love and kindness without trying to hang on to them and without trying to push them away. It's the still center of the turning world. Be aware of the flow of your breath in and out of your body. And the flow of your life in your body and all around you. like a great current of air, like a great river. 
And then be aware of where the flow of your life meets the creative flow of the universe out of which everything is created. If the flow of your life is like a stream, then notice where that stream is a current in the river that is the flow of the universe, of all creation. And then I'd like you to just focus your attention on the palms of your hands. Your hands are incredibly sensitive receptors of energy. It's why we, you know, touch is, is, is such a um, significant way in which we experience our world. And go ahead and just briskly rub the palms of your hands together until you generate some heat. And then place your hands, palms up in your lap. Just open. Think of something that feels really difficult to you. Something that maybe you've gone around and around and around trying to figure out. For me right now, it is this election and the choices that we are facing and the consequences of the choices that are going to be made on Tuesday in the United States. But it could be anything for you. Something where you've done your best to try and Find a resolution and it just hasn't happened. You can't figure out what you can do to make this better. And yet, the stakes feel very high. There's a lot of charge around it. And because the situation, no matter how small or big it is, has an energy of its own, just hold this situation in your hands, right there on your lap, and feel the weight of it has an energetic weight. Feel the texture of it. You know, this is not an exercise you can figure out with your mind. Just let your mind soften. And let yourself simply experience whatever it is you experience. Feel the energetic weight of this conundrum, of this situation, this issue, this problem that feels so knotted and difficult and painful and scary or confusing or whatever it is for you. And 
and then simply hold this situation in the creative flow of the universe. Like I said, it's like a great river that flows in and through you and through everything. So you're still holding the situation in your hands, your hands are resting, palms up in your lap, and you're simply becoming aware of holding the situation in the flow. within this flow are the blueprints or the patterns for all things to come into being in the way that they were originally meant to. So there is a pattern that the soul of this situation holds. for its perfect unfolding. Don't have to know what that pattern is. You don't have to assert any agenda. You simply your task is simply to be present and available and partner with the creative flow of the universe by holding this situation in the flow. Become aware of all the beings, non-physical and physical, who are holding this situation in the flow with you, who are lending it and you their power and their presence and their capacity to help the situation repattern itself into a state of wholeness and harmony. Again, you're not asserting any agenda. You're simply trusting the creative flow of the universe to meet this situation in the way that is best for it to unfold. But you are doing it with myriad other beings. So be aware of all of your allies, all who work to serve wholeness in this world. are also working on behalf of the best possible resolution of this situation. 
So for me, because what I am holding is this election and everything that it entails, the whole ecology within which it functions. I am really aware of the soul of the United States, the deva of the U.S. The ancestors of the people who live there. The many, many, many beings who overlight and oversee the cities and towns and villages and countryside. that constitute the United States. They're all here holding this situation with me, working towards an outcome that provides wholeness and safety and freedom and love and generosity for everyone. depending on the situation that you are holding in the flow, there may be other allies that show up for you. And just notice whatever it is you notice, staying just soft and receptive and not asserting any agenda but simply letting yourself participate in this process as one of many, many, many participants. And notice what is happening to that weight that you were holding in your hands. The weight of that situation that felt as though nothing you could do would ever change it. Be aware of the field of blessings and miracles in which this situation is now held. And the power of the unconditioned realm to transform this situation in the conditioned realm. And when you've had enough, just release the situation out of your hands into the flow, into the creative flow of the universe and let the flow continue to carry it to its own perfect unfolding. Shake out your hands, flick your fingertips, Drop your head down between your knees, pat the floor with the palms of your hands, shake off any excess energy that's built up in your head or neck or shoulders. 
and come back up and just notice how you feel in your body. That's the exercise. That's good. Mm. The thing I noticed here, though, for me, because my brain is a bit untrained, (laughs) is that I could wander. And so I think for me to make this into a practice where I listen to it every morning would be just so beneficial. Yeah. And, you know, if you find yourself wandering, just bring yourself back. And also, if you find yourself getting fidgety, stop. You know, like, it's, you, you can only, you can only do as much as you have the capacity to do. And your capacity will, will grow, um, as you grow yourself. But your capacity will also grow with practice. And it will vary. I mean, you know, if I'm not feeling well, I might do this for no more than five or ten minutes, and I might do it just lying in bed um, and then release it into the flow. And if I am feeling really um, resourced, fully resourced, I might spend a couple of hours doing this. So there's no one right way to do it. It really is just about letting yourself build up your capacity to be a source of generativity in any situation. And what do you mean that, a source of generativity? I mean that, you know, what, whatever it is that we're looking for, like in this situation with the election, you know, uh, what I want, I want peace, I want, um, you know, I might say I want Hillary Clinton to win the election, and I absolutely do. But when I think about what that, you know, what is it about Hillary Clinton? No, it isn't. It's about somebody who is strong and skilled and experienced uh, at the helm of the country. Uh, somebody who knows what it is to be an outsider and yet who has knows also what it takes to effect change, you know, how to work with power, who is unafraid of power because they've done their own inner work around it. Uh, somebody who knows how to, uh, to bring people together to make things happen that are for the benefit of everyone. Somebody who has value, who, who values um, democracy, who values um, a, a, a society in which we take care of, uh, who, in which we care about equity and justice for everyone, in which we care about making sure that Everyone has their basic needs met. So those are the things that matter to me. And 
if I feel like those things are outside of my, uh, 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 you know, that, that they're, they're outside of me, um, that they are things I want, but I, I, you know, somebody else bestows them upon me, then I become a consumer of those value of those qualities, right? I become the consumer of equity, a consumer of, um, of, of civic discourse, a consumer of, um, of abundance or prosperity or whatever it is that I want. But if I know that I am, that those, those things that I want are already within me and that I have the capacity to tap into those sources both within my soul and within the creative matrix of the universe, then I can contribute to bringing more of those qualities into my world. So I contribute. I am not the only source, but I am a source. I am a generative source. If I want to see, I want kindness, then I become kindness. I practice kindness. I tap into the sources of kindness in myself and I bring it into my world. I love that. Mm-hmm. And that's a power we all have. It's one nobody can take away. Because it isn't dependent on anybody else. Say more about that. Well, you know, we tend to think in of power in terms of the ability to make things happen and the ability to get what we want. Uh, and yet power is also a quality of soul. And one of the powers we have is this ability to tap into soul qualities within ourselves and to develop our capacity to function as not just conduits of those qualities, but as active participants in bringing those qualities into the world, you know? So you want a kinder world, be kind. If you're not feeling kind, start by being kind to yourself. And as soon as you do that, you open up that flow of kindness that is already in you as a reservoir. It's already there. But you may not have been able to tap into it. If you've been unkind to yourself, you're then going to be unkind to other people and you're going to contribute to the sum of unkindness in the world. So you start by tapping in to kindness and open up that, that, that flow by being kind to yourself. And being kind to that aspect of yourself that is unkind to you, you know? Um, Is that how you are able to, and I don't know if this is the right word, hero, but shield yourself from the unkindness that may be around? um, From other people's energy. 
There are two things, I mean, well, there are many things that go on, but there are two ways that both, for me, have to work together. So the more full I am of kindness or love or power or generosity or any of these soul qualities that we've been talking about of clarity, of truth, um, the more full I am of those qualities, really what I am full of is my own soul. Because those are qualities of soul and qualities of soul fill you up with your own soul's presence. So it's your soul's presence that when when you're full of it, when you're full of yourself in the best way, um, it sets up a resonance so that anything that isn't comfortable in that field isn't going to come near you. Mm. It doesn't mean, and and I, I want to qualify this, you know, it doesn't mean that if something bad happens to you or if some, some you know, troll on the internet comes and trashes your your. Facebook page or trashes you, it doesn't mean that you have invited that or that you haven't done your job perfectly of of being, you know, full of your soul um, because everybody has free will. Everybody has, has the capacity to act according to their own choices and decisions. And because you live in an interdependent world, because we live in an interdependent world, other people's choices have effects on me and on my life, whether or not I am kind, you know? So I can't be... I have to be discerning always. I can be filled with that quality of kindness, and if somebody is acting like a complete jerk uh, on my Facebook page, I will simply delete and ban them. So kindness does not mean that you don't have boundaries. They work together. Kindness, love, openness, receptivity, all of these qualities are soul qualities and your job, my job, our job for each of us is to learn how to create the conditions in which those qualities can flourish within us and in our lives. So, you know, if you think about it, the, an analogy might be, um, say you have, you have a, a three-year-old um, and you want her to grow up you know, in in an atmosphere of um, of joy and creativity and love and kindness, well, you you create all of that in your home. You'll encourage it in her in in every way that you can and that you can devise. But you will also create really strong boundaries to keep her safe, so that she can grow up with these qualities. You know, you can't protect her from the outside world 
perfectly or forever, uh, but you can do everything that you can to make sure she's safe. So you, you know, make sure your home is safe. You make sure you have locks on your doors. You make sure that she has a warm, quiet place to, to sleep at night. You make sure that you teach her how to cross the road, you know, to hold your hand when she crosses the road, not just going to dart out into traffic. You teach her about safe words and who it's safe to talk to and who it's not safe to talk to. And so there's this whole continuum of boundaries that you create around her so that she can have a childhood in which she is not worrying about things that she's not ready to handle yet, right? And it's the same thing with us. We have to create the conditions, which means the boundaried conditions, uh, in which it's safe to be kind. And discernment tells us, okay, in this situation, the kindest thing I can do for myself and everybody else is to remove this person from my Facebook feed and ban them. You know, so I mean, I mean, I'm just talking about that as as kind of one, one very small example of what that might look like. A, a, a more um, difficult example might be if you have, say, uh, a close family member, a parent, perhaps, or um, or even a child. You know, who a grown child, like an adult child, who is uh, really toxic. And um, and will not and has no interest in changing their behavior, um, and yet their behavior has tremendous impact or consequences on you. So you do the inner work for yourself, but the kindest thing that you might be able to do is to simply say, you know, until I, until I am able, until I feel strong enough inside myself that I am not affected by this behavior or until this behavior changes, I am going to limit the amount of contact that I have with this person. And that's a harder thing to do. It's much easier to simply ban a troll on the <laughs> internet, right? Mm-hmm. But... It still is, you know, we're constantly faced with these choices about what does it take to live a a, a generative, soul-centered life in a boundaried world. And it takes these, these choices and these actions and exercising discernment and knowing the power of boundaries. The power of boundaries is not to keep things, to keep the bad out. The power of boundaries is to define what's inside that boundary so strongly and so clearly that the differential between what's in within that boundary and what's outside of that boundary acts as a filter. Do you remember those science experiments where 
you know, you, you use the displacement of water to get the specific gravity of something. Oh, no, I don't remember that. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's kind of like that, right? It's, it's that if it, 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 you know, you, you need both to cultivate your capacity for these qualities, to inhabit these qualities, to embody them, and the capacity to tend to your boundaries in any situation. And they go hand in hand. I love that. I love your definition of boundaries. I think that's so helpful for people to define what is inside the boundary so strongly and clearly. Yeah, I mean, boundaries are the chalice in which love abides, you know. Without the chalice, love is just a diffuse, undifferentiated force. When, but boundaries create that chalice in which you become a source of love that, that you and everybody else can drink from. Well, Hiro, I want to thank you for giving us this practice that we can use to help us when we do feel powerless, when we're in different situations, because, and even as you talked about, this, this interview will obviously be well past the election, but we can all identify with situations where we feel powerless and what can we do. So this is a great practice that you've given the listeners. I really, really appreciate that. Mm, thank you, Corinne. Thanks for letting me blather on <laughs> for this long. And, and, and thank you for creating this, this boundary space in which you know, such rich conversation happens. Um, you hadn't created it. This con this particular conversation would never take place. Well, and what a privilege to be able to talk with you. And just, I mean, I can I, I can listen to you all day with my headphones on. It's quite lovely. And I and I am going to practice your practice with my headphones on. It's going to be a nice practice over the mm -hmm. next month. It's going to be fun for me to do that. So thank you. That's great. You're so welcome. You know, this is a practice that's really good to do before you head into the holidays. Um, before you get into all the, all the craziness that happens around, around that holiday time. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's a useful thing to do. And, yeah. All right, Medea, thank you so much. Thanks everyone who's listening and I wish you every blessing. Thank you, Hero. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. So I mean what I said. I'm going to take this recording that Hero did, and I'm going to practice that. And I love the permission that she gave us that, you know, pay attention to our own capacity. And if our mind wanders, bring it back. Don't fight with it. Give yourself permission that maybe today it can be a shorter version. Pay attention to yourself and that your capacity will get built. I mean, so often we beat ourselves up because we think our capacity should already be there. And what I know and what I hope you know from this show all these years is that your capacity grows. It grows with practice. And 
She said, you can only do as much as the capacity that you have. Don't think, don't get frustrated because right now your capacity may be small because as you practice, you're going to get better at it. And it is a practice. What we do is a practice. Your ability with a deliberate practice will improve over time. And also, here's a caveat that I want to throw in there. And I say this all the time, but I just want to make sure that it's heard again, is that you will have falling down moments. You will have huge mess ups. And with this practice, give yourself that grace. Okay. It's really, really important. Don't beat yourself up that you should do this perfectly or, oh my gosh, my mind strained. Practice. And when, as you get better, celebrate those small moments. Don't wait until that time when it's all perfectly done and celebrate there. That will lead to more frustration and a higher chance of you quitting. So I invite you, if you choose to do this, make a commitment ahead of time of, you know, how many days you want to do it and be realistic about how it can be sustainable. You know, I can say that I'm going to do this for the next month and I'm going to do it five days a week, right? Now, if I were a beginner at this, I would start it three days a week because I want to give myself more space. But now that I have things dialed in to a certain degree, I'm willing to do five days a week and I have some flexibility versus seven days. And Hero's been doing this for 50 years, just about every day. Okay. But we've, she's built up her capacity. So we don't need to compare because that only leads to despair. I also want to circle back to when she said kindness has boundaries. And you've probably heard me say it. I feel like I say this a thousand times, um, is that compassionate people have boundaries. And I learned that back several years ago from Kristen Neff, who's a compassion researcher at the University of Texas. Compassionate people have boundaries. And I love her definition of boundaries. The power of boundary is to define what is inside the boundary so strongly and clearly. So it can act as a filter. I mean, that's the great thing about boundaries. And sometimes I become resentful when I'm reinforcing my own boundaries. I'm supporting my own boundaries because I'm like, why can't people just know that this is the boundary? But when I know that what this is what's okay and this is what's not okay of the boundaries, it makes it so much simpler. I get out of the drama of, oh, I should be nice to this person or maybe they didn't understand. I, it, it eliminates a lot of that. And it makes it so much cleaner. So boundaries are a great practice. I'm good at it. And there's lots of times that I suck at it. And there can be times that I can become resentful. And the thing that I know to do is I practice committing to it. I circle back. I look at what boundaries still serve me and what may not. And it's not just about keeping people out. It's about boundaries are there to support you. They really, really are. They're there to support you. And remember, we're always about cultivating our capacity. That is one of my favorite things is that as we cultivate, we used to think about it. I use this all the time. When I was learning how to drive many years ago, many decades ago now, because I'm 44, so when I was 15 and a half, and it was so scary to make that right-hand turn, and it took so much energy. And now I make a right-hand turn, and rarely do I think about it. You know, I'm kind of more on the unconscious, and other things are top of mind. But I remember five miles an hour making a right-hand turn took a lot of energy, but my capacity has grown. So just like that, our capacity grows. It may be difficult now, but as you practice it, you'll be able to do that with much, much more ease and much less energy, but it takes practice. 
I now want to talk about having faith and dealing with uncertainty because that's really what it's about, this uncomfortableness of uncertainty. And really that's vulnerability. We don't want to feel vulnerable. And what do you do? What is your practice when things, when things, certain things are out of your control? How do you deal with uncertainty? One of the ways that I do is that I try to stop catastrophizing. My brain is an excellent catastrophizer. So I try to stop that. I may verbal vomit, you know, and get a lot of that stuff out. And then I stop catastrophizing and I think through, okay, what are the worst case scenarios? I know that because that's part of the verbal vomit. What's the likelihood of that happening? Usually none. And then I choose to believe in something that is true. And maybe it's, I'm resourceful. I'm not sure what's going to happen, but I'm resourceful and I'll be able to figure it out. And that one is a great mantra that I have for myself because as a former control freak and queen of certainty, I didn't have that. And so I, there was a lot of drama, but that's what I use to help me. And I love when Hero told me, she said, faith anchored in action. And it's not just about praying. And she gave some examples about what she would do if she were here for the election. It's about having the energy and the belief but also taking action. And I always say, you want to take action from that energy. So for me, if I'm freaking out and catastrophizing, that's why I verbally vomit. Then I look through that. I get myself calm or compassionate because I'm way more resourceful and I can figure things out. And I do that by telling myself I'm resourceful and I can figure things out. And then from there, I take action. That is my process in dealing with uncertainty. I invite you to unpack your process of dealing with uncertainty. Before we go today, I want to do a huge shout out to Car Tack Tracks, Car Tracks, or no, excuse me, Cat Tracks, and for leaving an iTunes review. Thank you so much. Our iTunes reviews are growing. You guys, yes, it's a pain, but it helps the show. It's I look at it and it makes my heart filled up that the show does help you guys. And I know we have tens of thousands of listeners every month. It is so cool to see the listenership worldwide and how the show has grown through the past 10 years. And I just appreciate those of you that go on there and give the gift back to the show of leaving a review. So thank you so much, Cat Tracks, for leaving your iTunes review. And until next time, I'm smiling big for you. On a lake, she is dreaming, she is drifting, never been so wild.